I love cabins. Growing up in one myself, I definitely can attest that some creepy things happen out there. And recently starting a tradition with my girlfriend, every fall we go and rent a cabin up north and enjoy the nice serene mountains. But it seems not everyone has a nice time out there. Welcome back to the swamp, my friends. It's good to see you made it back for another episode. Today I'm going to be sharing some creepy and allegedly true cabin horror stories sent in by viewers just like you. As always, if you have a story that you would like to share in a future video, whether it be from a cabin or something entirely different, be sure to submit your story at swampdweller.net or the email you can find in the description down below. I'd love to share your story with everyone here in the swamp. It's stories like yours that truly help keep this show going. Now, without further ado, let's get into these creepy and allegedly true cabin horror stories. Right before we jump into these stories though, I just wanted to do a quick reminder for those who may not have heard, I have joined the Chilling family, and I want to make sure you take advantage of the free trial if you haven't yet. Chilling is the new home of horror, and an amazing mobile app that allows you to do things that are just not possible on YouTube, with hundreds of amazing stories that are sorted into curated playlists, or you can create your own playlist, we give you so much flexibility to listen the way you want. This includes Chilling's exclusive feature, our ambient sound menu. You can change the background noise of any story whenever you see fit without any interruptions. It's an absolute game changer. Of course, this is absolutely ad-free. That's right, no ads, just hours and hours of endless, uninterrupted, horrifying, creepy, and all-around spooky content. Not only are we adding hours of new content every week, but we are expanding into classic novels, audio series, and even old radio broadcasts. And right now, the Chilling Team is giving away a PS5 horror bundle, a console, disc version, Demon Souls, and Resident Evil Village, or you can choose a $500 Amazon gift card. All you have to do is download Chilling and start your free trial from the app or Google Play Store and start your free trial. You can follow and tag a friend, tag a friend or friends in the giveaway post pinned on the Twitter page, each tag is another chance to win, and use the submission form on the link that you can find in the description down below. Don't forget to leave a review in the app and play store. The winner will be announced August 23rd, 2021. So what are you waiting for? Join Chilling today and start your free trial to potentially win PS5 Horror Bundle or a $500 Amazon gift card. My name is Eric. This is a short story about my grandfather's cabin in the Sierras on the California side of Lake Tahoe. One summer, when I was 16 years old, I randomly decided to take a trip with my aunt and uncle to my grandpa's cabin to see my other aunt and stay the night. One summer, when I was 16 years old, I randomly decided to take a trip with my aunt and uncle to my grandpa's cabin to see my other aunt and stay the night. It was a decent trip from my grandpa's house in Reno to the cabin, and we left in the afternoon, so when we got there, we were really tired. We all stayed up and talked for about three hours before we decided to go to sleep. There were only two bedrooms, so I was going to sleep on the couch in the living room. The living room is incredibly open and has a high ceiling. Both bedrooms were on the south side of the cabin. One was upstairs and one was downstairs. My aunt and uncle were upstairs together and about one minute later, my other aunt went into her room downstairs. After they turned the lights out, I lay down on my back in the dark for three to five minutes. When I heard a little girl ask me, What are you doing here? Clear as anything, 
in a truly kind, mature, and earnest manner. The voice seemed to be coming from above me, maybe 10 or 15 feet straight above my head. The only way to explain it is that it sounded out of body. I calmly and instinctively answered and asked her, What are you doing here? There was no response, and after about 30 seconds of silence, I suddenly got frightened of what just transpired. I did manage to fall asleep within an hour, and nothing else really happened to me that night. But the next morning, when I told my aunt that lived there what happened, she casually replied, If you don't bother them, they won't bother you, and proceeded to show me her mineral and crystal collection, as well as books describing the properties and effects of each one she had and many more. I could not help but be suspicious that my aunt had brought something into that cabin somehow accidentally. Fast forward about 10 years, my cousin related a story to my sister about the cabin. Apparently, he almost sleepwalked himself right out of the top story window in the middle of the night. His friend stopped him before he made it all the way out and woke him up. When my sister told me this, I spoke to my cousin and he confirmed the story. Also, he told me he had never sleepwalked before or after that night in my grandfather's cabin. I have always been a suspicious person, and I am familiar with the art of deception. I doubt that that little girl I heard was simply a harmless ghost. I think it was a disguise. I believe that only powerful cryptids and demons can manipulate people or cause physical harm. A powerful ghost, perhaps, but not likely. I have warned my family members about the dangers of the cabin. I feel like I am the only person suited to visit and possibly manage whatever is there. This story takes place on a lake in central New Hampshire, just a few miles north of the base of Mount Kersarge. My friend has a cabin there, and his grandfather built it shortly after returning from the Second World War. And one warm summer night between my junior and senior years of high school, he and I were there, just hanging out. While we did drink and partake in the ganja from time to time, we were not intoxicated in any way on this night. We had simply been bored in our little hometown about 30 miles or approximately 48 kilometers to the south. So on a whim one evening, we decided to drive up and spend the night there to light a fire and sit by the water on the beach chairs and enjoy the nighttime t-shirt and swimming trunks weather while it lasted. I would say it was around 9 or 10 p.m. and we had gotten up to inspect his grandfather's old canoe that laid upside down atop the wooden dock because we wanted to use it the next day to head to the Lone Island to look for loon nests and try to catch some catfish. As we walked to the dock from where we had been sitting, I gazed across the lake at Mount Kirsarge. The mountain has a height of 2,937 feet, or 895 meters, and a prominence of 2,080 feet, or 630 meters. So, since it was basically 2,000 feet straight up from our position, as we were only a couple of miles from its summit, it was quite an imposing figure in the night sky. Now the mountain has a tower on the peak that flashes a red light at night. There is only one light and it is red. I had seen it many times before. It was just a fact, however, as I followed my friend to the dock that I noticed there were more than two lights on this night. In addition to the usual red flashing light, there was a second yellowish-orange orb to its right essentially equidistant in height. It was not moving, flashing, pulsating, nothing. It just hung there, motionless in the night sky. 
I told my friend who was immediately interested, and so we were both just stood there, transfixed for a while before he asked me what the hell I thought it was. I would have immediately considered a helicopter, but it was just so still and silent. After just a few moments of silent staring, we both shrugged our shoulders and continued down to the canoe at the end of the dock. We inspected it for a while, placing it in the lake to check for leaks and decided that it was good to go, which was exciting, as we were really looking forward to getting on the water. After lugging it back to the original resting position, I turned to my right and bent down to wash the cobwebs off my fingers in the lake. As I was doing this, I returned my gaze to the mountain, and to my amazement, there were now two identical orbs, one on either side of the red flashing light. I smacked my friend across the shoulder and told him to look up, and again, we just stared transfixed, albeit this time a little more anxiety-ridden. What the hell? My friend said, with a bit of fear creeping into his voice. Without averting our gaze, we backpedaled to our chairs and began discussing possibilities. It is important to note that both of us were science-believing realists, and still are to this day. We both accepted the distinct possibility that we, humanity, were most likely not alone in this never-ending galaxy, let alone the universe. Something. All the grains of sand on Earth. You know, the old Carl Sagan adage. So, as we sat, discussing both the Fermi paradox and the likelihood that it was just some sort of temporary, human-made thing going on top of the mountain, something happened. Before our eyes... One of the orbs slowly descended below the backside of the mountain and out of sight. I am sorry. I know I am no aeronautical engineer or anything, but I know what a helicopter looks like when it descends in elevation. This was not like that at all. It sunk down and out of sight in less than just a few seconds, very smoothly, all without making any lateral movement whatsoever. We were stunned. But before we had time to wallow in this feeling or think that we could have possibly seen something unnatural, the other orb took off from its position. It did not gain or lose any elevation. It just took off horizontally at breakneck speed and began to make its way around the edge of the lake. It was not until the light was about halfway between its starting point and our position that we began to consider that it might be heading straight for us. We stood still at the shore and followed the objects with our eyes. Out of sheer curiosity and without speaking, we both made an unconscious decision to wait and see what would happen. I mean, what else were we supposed to do? At no point did we talk or look at each other. We just stood there, watching. Without leaving you in suspense for too long, the object did eventually arrive to where we were, and upon its arrival, it slowed to a crawl and crept over us at a snail's pace. It was big. Not stereotypically mothership big, but big. I do not know exactly, but if I had to estimate, I would say it was about 50 meters in length by 30 meters in width. It was shaped like a fat cigar and had two or three rows of orange lights on its bottom. I cannot tell you what my friend was doing or how he was reacting at this time, for I was entranced. I remember thinking that I had never had an opportunity to view something like this, and I probably would never get another chance again. It was a once-in-a-lifetime experience, so I stared intensely, examining anything and everything about it that I could. Unfortunately, there were not many details that I could make out, only its approximate dimensions and the rows of lights. It made no real sounds aside from what I perceived to be a very, very faint humming. 
There were no beams of light shooting down at us or anything like that. We stood in the pitch blackness of the late New Hampshire night, and I remember preparing myself for something to happen to us. But as far as I know, nothing ever did. As soon as it had crept its way past us, it took off as fast as it had appeared, up into the night sky and out of sight. At that point, I shot my head back across the lake towards the mountain. There was nothing but the normal, flashing red light remaining. All appeared to be back to normal. I do not think we said anything to each other aside from, let's get out of here, or something to that effect, before grabbing what little we had brought with us and hightailing it back to my friend's car. We drove the 30 miles back to our hometown, purchased some snacks at the convenience store, and returned to his house where we proceeded to set up the same beach chairs that we had brought with us to the lake in his backyard, where we stayed up for most of the night, talking about what the hell we had just seen. For the next few weeks, my mind had hardly focused on anything else. I told my parents at some point, but they sort of just laughed it off, telling me that it must have been a helicopter or something like that. And after their reaction, I decided not to tell anyone else. Not until I was older and gave no crap about what people would think of me. It was only then that I began to tell my trusted friends about what happened that night. My friend and I have since parted ways. We live across an ocean from each other now and talk from time to time. In fact, it has been a few years since one of us brought it up. However, sitting here and writing this down, it just now made me want to reach out and talk with him again. I know what I saw, and it was not constructed by humanity. We do not have that sort of technology. At least, not that we know of. And if we do, there is far more hidden from the average citizen of the earth than I thought possible. But I am digressing into conspiracy theories now, and that is a path that I try not to go down. The fact is that the possibility that we are alone in the universe is so microscopically small. Consider this, there are billions of planets out there that are much, much older than Earth. All it would take is one of them to have developed intelligent life a few million years before us, giving them a massive head start in the development and technology scheme that would allow them to create machines that could do what these objects are. Thank you for sharing my story, Swamp Dweller. I hope you enjoyed it. So, this was a four-day stay in a cabin in the woods in Wisconsin, on blue-green property. I cannot for the life of me remember the exact cabin, but I think it was 413. No promises, though. Right away when I was alone, this was a trip with my mother, it felt like I was not on my own. I am normally hard to shake, but I could not bear being alone, as I felt like I was being watched by something. Both my mother and I checked the cabin thoroughly, but never found anything. The first night, I heard what sounded like footsteps on what would be the room above me, but the cabin was one floor with a slanted roof, so it could not have made any sense to have been someone. It sounded like a small child running across the length of the slanted roof, and both I and my mother heard it. For our peace of mind, we went over to the neighbor cabin. The cabins were divided into two suites, one on the right, one on the left, but we quickly discovered it was vacant, so we went back to our own. The next morning, I awoke to find my clothes, including the ones I fell asleep in. I get cold easily, so I tend to have pajamas on, and I had a hoodie on as well. I had on pajama pants, and they were much bigger than me. They were hand-me-downs and tied well around with one string. So, I find it a bit hard to believe I would have untied them while I was asleep. They were all thrown about the room, and it took me a good five minutes to find the shirt I had on. 
which was tangled up in the sheets. Maybe I just got hot and took it off while I was asleep, but I am from a warm place and have never done that before, so part of me doubts I took off my own clothes. Even if I did, it would not have explained how the clothes that were in my suitcase in the far corner of the room were scattered about. I am typically a bit of a neat freak, and never would I have ever been able to sleep if I knew my clothes were thrown everywhere. Later that same day, I was alone once more as my mother had run out to get some food from a nearby restaurant. I heard breathing from the next room over, which would have been my mother's bathroom. I brushed it off as nothing, but then I remembered I was in the cabin alone, so I called my mom and told her to get back here quickly, and then I listened. It sounded far too rhythmic to have been the air conditioner, and I could have sworn I could hear clear exhales and inhales. The layout of the cabin was simplish, so I will try to describe it to the best of my ability. There was a living room when you first walk in, and a closet with a washer and dryer that we never really used, and a kitchen. Then down the hall, perpendicular to the kitchen, were the bedrooms and the bathrooms. One was outside of the respective bedroom, and larger than the other bathroom, and the bedroom at the end of the hall had a bathroom hanging off of it. Go back to the living room, and there is also a balcony, which is protected from the wind by the other suite that was vacant and our own suite and there was a bathroom through a thick wall from the balcony. Hopefully that all made sense. It will be important later. Once my mom was back I remember getting up from the table in the living room and headed to my bathroom and I swore I saw something in my bathroom. So I backed up and checked and there was nothing there. I thought I saw a lady dressed in all white, cliche I know, and she had vanished so I decided that I was just going crazy and went to the bathroom. Nothing happened to me the rest of the day. So, I will skip to the third day. It was the day the running on the roof got extremely prominent, as though a child was running back and forth. Once again, that would have made no sense as the suite next to ours was vacant. We even called the front desk and asked them to call the suite next to us to tell them to quiet it down some. And they themselves said there's nobody in that cabin and the roof was slanted quite a bit. At around 2 p.m., I looked up from my laptop. I was sitting in the corner, as opposed to being on the couch, and I swear, I saw a woman who didn't fit my mother's body type staring at me through the window's reflection, as in she was inside the cabin, watching me using the reflection. And I even got a picture of it. I may eventually send that into the show. I don't want to be ridiculed for it, though. For reference... My mother is rather large. The woman I saw was clear, not the outlines of the curtain, and she was thinner, still overweight but not by much, in the long white gown of who I thought I saw in my room the other day. They looked to have a romantic tuck and messed up face, and they were much taller than me. For reference, I am a 4'10 guy and did not have a dress packed, and neither did my mother. Plus, I was sitting down and out of the reflection, so I knew it couldn't have been me, and the dress went out some, and the curtains did not, so I don't know what could have caused the reflection. Half of why I'm here, I want to know a decent answer for the woman in the reflection, as it didn't look entirely like a woman or a human for that matter. It seemed more humanoid and in a dress than a woman in a dress. The final night there, I was exhausted and did not really sleep well the night prior, and I went to bed at about 8.30. I got up before I ever fell asleep and went to the living room as I felt something hit my foot. 
It felt long and hard, almost like a round pole. I told my mother this, and she told me that on the first night, she felt like something tried to push her off the bed, and it felt very cold and hard. We talked for about 20 or 30 minutes about it, and eventually, I laid back down and nothing happened for the rest of the trip. So, to recap, there was running across the roof on nights 1 through 3. Night 1, my mom apparently felt something try to push her out of bed. Day 2, I woke up to find every article of clothing, including what I had on, was thrown around the room. More roof running, seeing something in my bathroom, and a weird breathing from an empty room, and loud breathing I heard it through the wall. Day 3, a weird reflection of a woman that looked like her face was damaged in the window, and night 4, I felt like I was hit by something cold. I also want to include that nothing in the cabin felt evil per se, more mischievous and almost felt motherly at times, granted misguided. But I am pagan, so maybe my mind is a bit off on detecting these kind of things. And according to my mother, nothing felt evil, just off and ultimately creepy. The trip, again, was only me and my mother. I really need your guys' opinion on this. I believe in some occult things, but cannot provide a solid yes or no as if I believe in ghosts or not. I am looking for an answer, be it paranormal or not. Thank you, Swamp Dwellers. I hope you guys can help me. It was about late November in Colorado, and I was about seven or eight years old. My father had the great idea of taking us all for a weekend to a cabin that he was going to rent. My mother thought it was a great idea for me, my sister, my father, and my mother to bond. So that's exactly what happened. We rented a cabin for a few days. We took off school on Friday to get a head start on getting there, which I had no issue with. We got there and it was sure cold. Well, it was almost December, so I guess it made sense that it was so cold. Anyway, we got all set up and decided where we would all sleep. We ate dinner and then we all got set up for bed and were thinking about what we would do tomorrow. We got there kind of late, so we couldn't do too much on the first day. That night, though, I heard noises outside. It sounded kind of like footsteps. I looked out the window and saw nothing of note, so I figured it must have been an animal or something. I tried my very best to go back to sleep, and somewhere around 15 minutes later, I heard it again. This time, though, I made sure to wake my sister up. She was about 11 at the time, and she heard it as well. We both walked over to the window and saw something out there. We weren't quite sure what it was. We decided it was best for it not to see us, so we went back to sleep. I had a hard time sleeping that night and so did my sister. But when we eventually woke up, my mother was inside making breakfast and my father was outside. I asked my mom if I could go outside with my dad and she told me sure while my sister stayed inside and waited for her breakfast. I walked outside and my father was talking to some man. A sort... A short chubby man. He had a shaved head and was wearing a veteran cap. He looked really nervous too for some reason. He was sweating a lot, even though it was freezing outside. I walked over to him and my father looked at me and said, Oh, this is my son, and told him my name. The man looked at me and said, Nice to meet you, kid. My name's Patrick. He smiled and looked at me. I smiled and greeted him back. It may have been rude at the time, but I was just a kid. And I asked him, You look kind of scared. Are you alright? 
He kind of coughed and replied, Yeah, I'm fine. Just went through shell shock. I'm a veteran. He said, as I couldn't tell already what the cap he was wearing. He seemed rather normal at the time. My father seemed to really like this guy, and I liked him at first too. He told my father he had also rented a cabin with his family, and that they were really close to us, and he decided to introduce himself. My father invited him inside for breakfast and he stayed, and it was seemingly normal. I went outside to play after that with my father and Patrick. While outside, I fell and scraped my knee and started crying. My father was inside at the time, a bad time for him to be inside. My mother was calling for him, and he ran inside while I was out there with Patrick. Patrick ran over to me and told me to come to his cabin, because he had band-aids. I agreed and went with him. I wasn't a very smart kid. I went with Patrick. We talked about what I liked doing, and I told him about video games that I played and stuff like that. Then, things got weird. He asked me what shoe size I was and how old I am. I didn't know what my shoe size was. I told him, but I... I told him my age. He just kind of chuckled and said something along the lines of, Good to know. Also, his cabin was nowhere near ours. It was way back. It took about 20 to 25 minutes to walk there. I was tired and there was no point in getting abandoned anymore. But I still decided to keep going since I had walked so long. We entered the cabin and he told me to go in first, so I did. As soon as I walked in, I realized something. There was nobody in there. No family. I asked him where his family was and he didn't answer, pretending like he didn't hear. He locked the door. I then kind of got frightened. He told me, I'll be right back with a band-aid, kiddo. He walked into the kitchen and pulled one out of somewhere, and then walked back and told me to have a seat and he'd put it on. I sat down and he put it on me. He also held my leg in his other hand and rubbed it down and told me, you're rather muscular, kid. I like that. I got kind of scared and immediately stood up. He asked me what was wrong and I told him nothing and that my leg was feeling much better. I then thought my parents must be worried sick and I should hurry back. He insisted that I stay longer and ate there. I didn't want to, but I was alone and if I ran, I don't think I could have found my way back to the cabin. The door was locked too, so I just agreed and decided to eat with him and get it over with fast. He asked how much I weighed and I guessed around 73 pounds. He then had a smile across his face. He nodded and said, perfect weight. I asked him why it was perfect weight. He just kept smiling. I was really weirded out and asked him if I could go. He said no and that things were just getting started and I shouldn't miss out on the fun. He had such a weird tone when he said that. I then heard a big bang come from the bedroom. It was a closed door. Patrick stood up and looked kind of angry. He walked into the room and shut the door behind him. I then heard him yelling, Did I freaking tell you that you could move? No, so stay the hell where you are. I have company. Or something like that. He then walked out with a smile on his face and shut the door slowly. Sorry about that. It was just my wife. She was really sick and not allowed to be near visitors today. He was smiling while saying that. I wanted to go. I then looked around the room and noticed there were clothes everywhere and it was really messy. He must have been living out of here. At that moment, his wife walked out of the room. I'm hungry, she said. He looked pissed. Get back in there, he said. His wife was extremely pale and looked like she had been crying a lot. She was sniffling and had red circles around her eyes. She looked at me, then walked back in the room. I asked him where his kids were. He didn't answer. He told me he had kids' clothes that he wanted me to try on. 
That was the last straw. I had to get out of the situation, but I didn't know how to. I started crying and then he hugged me. He told me, it'll be okay little one, nothing is going to happen. Just try on these clothes. He walked in the back room. I thought that was the perfect time for me to leave. I unlocked his door and tried to leave as quietly as I could. I didn't care if I got lost anymore. I didn't want to take the chances with Patrick, if that was even his name. I had a feeling that he had been lying. He lied about having kids, who knows what else. I was in the woods trying to find my way back. I was still close to his house, close enough to hear shouting. I heard him yelling stuff to his wife. Things along the lines of, where the F did I go, and I knew I shouldn't have left him alone. Stuff like that. I could have sworn I heard him call her a bunch of names that I don't want to repeat. Then, it happened. I stopped in my tracks, I heard footsteps. I went and hid behind a tree and looked in his direction. He was outside and he seemed to be looking for me. I was far enough away to where I could barely see him, but I could tell he was looking for something. He then stepped out into the forest and I heard him shouting, Hey kid, it's okay, you can come back now, you don't have to try on the clothes. I have toys in the back of my cabin, if you want to come play with them, just come back. I then ran. I ran as fast as I could in a straight line in hopes I would find my family. I was running away and I thought I heard shouting, but I didn't stop to hear it. Then, after about an hour of running, I saw a cabin. My cabin. I ran to it. My father was outside looking around for me. I ran up to him crying and told him Patrick wasn't a good guy, and that he really was weird and he was touching my legs and stuff. My father immediately called the person he rented the cabin from, and he said that nobody had rented that cabin. My father looked at me and told me to never follow any stranger ever again. We immediately left that day and asked for a refund for the next day. The guy renting them out apologized. The man, having the cabin rentals, called the police and the police went back there and checked the cabin, and there was nobody there, not even his wife. His clothes and belongings were still there, is what they told us. Nothing really happened after that. They asked questions and left. They never called us or told us anything about him ever again. Patrick most likely wasn't his real name, and he probably wasn't a veteran. I just want to know what happened to him and his wife, and how he even got a wife in the first place, and how and why he lived in that cabin. He seemed to have been living there for a while. I guess he left because he figured the police would be coming after him because he didn't rent the cabin. So many questions that will likely never get answered. I'm just glad that it's all over. Thanks for listening to these creepy and allegedly true cabin horror stories. If you have a story that you would like to share in a future video, whether it be from a cabin or something different entirely, be sure to submit your story at swampdweller.net or the email you can find in the description down below. I'd love to share your story with everyone here in the swamp. It's stories like yours that truly help keep this show going on a daily basis. If you enjoyed these stories, please be sure to hit that like button. The more likes this video gets, the more YouTube promotes it in the algorithm, and that's incredibly helpful to me. If you're listening to this on iTunes or another podcast platform, please give this a 5-star rating over there, as it really helps me out a ton. If you're new to the swamp, why not join us? Hit that subscribe button and turn on notifications to never miss a new episode, as I upload them nearly every single day, in all things natural and supernatural. If you would like to support The Swamp outside of hitting that like button, subscribing, and giving us a 5-star rating on iTunes, maybe check out the merch store 
I've got hoodies, t-shirts, and much more, and I'd love to see you guys wearing some cool Swamp Threads. If you're on the go but don't have YouTube Premium, but still want to listen to your favorite Swamp Dweller scary stories no matter where you are, you can download them absolutely free from iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, and everywhere else you find your favorite podcast online. It's absolutely free to do so, and always will be. I'd love to see you guys over on my Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. I'd love to get in contact with more of you, and I'll see you all soon with another creepy video.